Okay, I think I can take this off, right? <laughs> All right, will you please stand for the reading of God's word? So today we will be reading from the book of John, or Joshua, pardon me. <laughs> All right, specifically we will be reading chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. And it says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt in you the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall, moreover, command the priest who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. It shall come out when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Thank you, Maddie, and thank Greg for uh, your testimony. Today we have the opportunity to hear from a missionary that serves on our behalf. This is Tim Bohr. Tim and his wife Molly, as well as their two children, are international partners with us in East Asia. Tim and Molly have been, uh, well, have been married 12 years next month. They are currently living in Southern California awaiting their visa to depart for Taiwan where they can learn the Mandarin's language, which will help them to work with an unreached people group. Um, Tim graduated from California Baptist University with a Bachelor's of Applied Theology in 2011. Tim is passionate about international relationships, investment among the unreached, unengaged peoples, and his family. Hey, Grace Points, uh, Tim here. Uh, just in case you forgot, uh, I and my family have the distinct honor and privilege and really pleasure of getting to partner with you, Grace Point, and what God is doing among the nations overseas. We love you. We think of you as family. We think of you often. We pray for you regularly, more so than daily now, especially in this season. Please know that you are in our prayers. We're praying for you, especially Pastor Gary and Don and the Knock family and you, the Grace Point family and the elders and all of you there. We love you, we care about you and we are praying for you. I should just say from the outset, um, this voice you're hearing is my voice, but it is my voice with allergies. The seasons are changing down here in Southern California and with that come my allergies and I've had them for a couple weeks now but they're starting to wrap up and so the only thing really left at this point is my stuffy nose and so 
I apologize uh, for what my voice sounds like, but hopefully the truth of God's word comes through even in spite of my voice. Guys, I consider it a real honor and privilege to get to be in a lineup with people of the caliber of Keevan Gwynn and Dave Gossett. Some really mature, strong, capable, good teaching, solid Christian leadership. And guys, I do not take that lightly. I am keenly aware of the responsibility that the elders have entrusted with me to minister to you and to feed you from God's word. I do not take it lightly, I promise. So without going any further, I wanna just take a moment and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you and your grace communicated to us your love for us. And by your grace, Lord, we were able to be saved, that we could receive the gift of salvation. And Father, I thank you for the family at Grace Point. I pray that you would encourage them, that you would, as you stretch them, as you build into them in this season, that they would be encouraged throughout this time, that you are conforming them more to the image of your son, Lord, that you are working for their good. And so, Father, I pray that this time, this morning, as we look through Joshua 3, that this time would be a holy time, not because we're at church, not because um, we've decided that it would be holy and we've called it that, or tradition says that it is, but Father, I pray that this time would be holy because we would have a special encounter with you through the truth of your scriptures that you've given us. And so, Father, I pray that this time would change us, that this wouldn't be a box checked, but that this would be a springboard more into the image and the service of you and your son and the furtherance of your kingdom. So, Father, I pray that you would move through this time and that we would be changed for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we begin our study this morning in Joshua chapter 3, I want us to think of the anticipation toward this day in Israel's history. As Dave Gossett so ably uh, reminded us a couple weeks ago that this is a day that has been hundreds of years in the making. Abraham's promise to be a great nation in Genesis chapter 12 and then again we see it laid out in Genesis chapter 15 and and we see it all the way through from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and then to, to Joseph and all of this time. And then we remember that the generation before these people that we're going to be looking at today and following today, the generation before them had the opportunity to go into the land. In fact, Joshua, the leader of the people, was one of two people who said, I think we can do this. God has given us this land. Let's do it. But the rest of the people said, no, we don't want to do this. And so God said, you don't want the land? You can't have the land. That entire generation had to die away without ever getting to take the land so that this generation of Israel would have the opportunity to fulfill God's promise to this nation and take the land. And so there's been a lot of anticipation their entire lives. They've been looking forward to this moment. There's been a lot of sacrifice, all of the family members, all of the walking, all of the time in the desert to get to this point. And now the day has come. So as we enter into this story, this historical event, I want us to open our minds to that kind of an image and that kind of anticipation as we read through the text. Joshua chapter 3 verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, 
he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. There's some really interesting points in this, this just chunk that I really wanted us to slow down for and look at. It's interesting in verses 2 through 4 that the officers are going through the camp and they're giving this command and they're communicating something very distinct here. When they say, when you see the, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the priests set out, but keep your distance, about 2,000 cubits, because you've never been here before. You've never gone this way. It's interesting because it really highlights the anticipation of this people. You've, we've never been this way. We know. We've wanted to go this way our entire lives. We've wished that we could go this whole entire this way our entire lives. And now God is going to take us there. And the, the officers are communicating something to this people. They're saying, guys, God is going to go before you. He's going to protect you and he's going to guide you. You don't know where you're going. This is a precarious situation. It's dangerous. So let the ark go first and keep your distance. It's kind of like a divine tour guide of sorts, but it's more than that because the 2,000 cubits isn't just a random number. It's about roughly a thousand yards, so it's a good distance. You'd be able to see, but you still are far enough away that if anything were to happen, uh, you would be at a safe distance. But beyond that even, a lot of rabbinical traditions actually hold that the 2,000 cubits distance is a sabbatical or a Sabbath's distance. You see it in Numbers. Um, you see the, the command really in Exodus chapter 16, I think verse 29, to really not move about but trust in the Lord on the Sabbath to rest in him. And then in Numbers 35, you see talking about the priests and the distance of 2,000 cubits. And there's a lot of, of minutia that goes on in this, but a rabbinical tradition holds that 2,000 cubits is the Sabbath's traveling distance, which is actually quite a ways. But it's really a call back to the Sabbath in that it's the day to remember and rest in God's provision and protection. And so the officers are telling them, God will go before you and you can rest at this distance in the knowledge that he goes before you to protect you as much as to guide you. And then it's interesting the way Joshua follows up this command. He says to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. It's interesting to me because he, he tells them, consecrate yourselves for action. Be ready. Get ready. Dedicate yourselves to the Lord. And it's interesting that he would say this. It kind of, it took me a minute. I wanted to sit back in this because in my mind, the people of Israel from the crossing of the Red Sea, really, all that time ago, were thus then designated, confirmed even more in Exodus 20 with the giving of the Ten Commandments and the Covenant, confirmed even more. They've been designated as the people of God. 
But now it's time for them to respond to God's action of designation. Now they respond with their action of dedication. So they're dedicating themselves, even though they were already designated. And then it's also interesting that Joshua says, For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Because if you think about their time in the desert, I, I, God was doing wonders. You, you see how he guided them. You see how he cared for them, how he fed them, how he made sure they had all the proper stuff they needed. God took care of them, and he did it in a wonderful, miraculous way. And so it's especially poignant that these people who are accustomed to God's provision, God's protection, and God doing these wonders, that now they're expecting something even more. So they're dedicating themselves at Joshua's uh, command, saying to them, dedicate, consecrate yourselves. And I was thinking of just the way that relates to us today as believers, as members of the church. When we become Christians, God has designated us as his people now. And so we are a priesthood of believers, and we get to be designated as those belonging to God by the blood of Jesus. And so we're designated, but we also as believers should dedicate ourselves. And that's just as God is not passive toward us, his people. So we should be active in walking with him. And you see, when we as believers consecrate ourselves to him, it really tunes our head, our heart, and our hands for action. And, and it, it tunes us toward the will of God. You see in Colossians chapter 3, Paul is writing and he says, Guys, therefore, since you've been raised with Christ, because you are designated as a person belonging to God, set your mind on the things above where he is seated at the right hand of God. Don't set your mind on the things of earth, but set your mind on the things above. You need to be as somebody who belongs to God, has been designated as a person belonging to God. You need to be dedicated to him if you are going to live this active life in response. So God acts toward us and designates us. We act toward him and we dedicate ourselves. And so God is, is active toward us and we are active toward him. So it really builds this anticipation in Joshua. Okay, this is, this is an outside above event. And so just as we, they consecrate themselves because they expect and know that God is going to act and they need to be able to act with him. We as believers, if you don't already, I would recommend and encourage you to dedicate yourselves because just as God is acting toward you, now you have the opportunity to act with him in obedience to him. So dedicate yourself, I would say daily even, to God so that you would be of the right mindset and of the right uh, focus that you could be active. And so we see here in verses 1 through 6, we see a preparation. In their preparation, they are understanding that God is going to go before them. And as God moves, they're called to move as well. And we also see them dedicating themselves. So just as God has moved toward them, now they are going to dedicate, consecrate, prepare themselves, set themselves aside to move with him. Now, as we move in to the second part, we've seen the preparation. Now what we get to see is the preview in verses 7 through 13, which were read earlier this morning. In verse 7, we see the focus. We've heard the officers talk to Israel. We've heard Joshua talk to Israel. And now we get to hear God talk to Joshua and then Joshua talk to the people of Israel after having heard this. So the Lord said to Joshua in verse 7, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
And as for you, command the priests who hear the Ark of the Covenant, or who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. This is a wonderful preview of what we get to see. But in verses 7 through 8, I want to take a moment to point this out. We see a major transition in second in command. God is with Joshua just as he was with Moses. And so we remember that Joshua was told this in, verses, in chapter 1 verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be also with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And so we remember this promise that God made. I am with you just as I was with Moses. But now we see God turning to Joshua and saying, Today I will begin to exalt you in their sight. So that they know, not just because I told you and you tell them, but they will know by the way I work through you. That just as I was with Moses, so I am with you. So we see this major transition. While God is still the king of his people, he is still the ruler and the leader, the second in command, who was Moses originally, this is passing now to Joshua. The promise God made to Israel will be fulfilled by God through Joshua. We need to understand what he's communicating here to Israel, what he's communicating to Joshua. The God of the Exodus is the God of the conquest. The God of then is the God of now. This is an important understanding. And then Joshua, with this understanding, is able to turn and say to the people, all of this, this important, I call it a sandwich, because we see that a reminder and, and the way he structures. Here's how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you all of the inhabitants of the land. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. More on that next week. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. We have this important sandwich. Joshua reminds them that God is their warrior and their protection. The battle is between him and the many gods of the inhabitants. And just so you know, there are thousands of gods that those in Cana, the Canaanites, 
adhere to, worship, and deem as authoritative. Thousands. And so what we see here is really a battle of God, Yahweh, in the, in the Israelites' mind, and then it's him versus all of the gods that the Canaanites worship. It's very interesting. Um, so we see the sandwich. God is your warrior and protector. Yes, there are a lot of people in the land, and yes, they have a lot of gods. But remember this. This is the sign that he's with you. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth goes before you to protect you, to fight for you, to guide you. So not only is the Ark of the Covenant going before you, and the Ark of the Covenant itself a distinct reminder that Yahweh goes with you and he's going before you. That's in verse 11. But then in verse 13, we also see another sign. This is another new distinct to the day sign that God is going to go with you. When the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters will be cut off. So we understand that the whole earth belongs to to God. So this is how you shall know. Not just the presence of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, but now you also have the parting of these raging waters. And we need to understand that rivers are important in ancient Near Eastern culture, and the Jordan is no less important. This is a demarcator of, of boundaries. And in the ancient Near East, the way gods worked, where it was almost like if you look up in the sky, you would see grids. And so we, and each, each little grid has a different God represented. And so when, say, the, the Canaanites and the Hivites, if they ever went to war, the Canaanites' gods are actually going to war with the Hivites' gods. And if the Canaanites win, this is a physical display that the gods of the Canaanites are stronger than the gods of the Hivites. And so now these grids all over here are filled and overrun by the Canaanite gods. So when Joshua twice in verse 11 and 13 says, the Lord of all the earth, he's reminding Israel that we're crossing into unknown land. We're crossing into new land and we're doing so. We're do and in doing so, we're crossing into these people and our God is going to do battle. But understand this, God is not confined to simply our ark of the covenant. God is not confined to some geological grid. God is not put in a box. He is the Lord of all the earth. And remember Psalm 24, the verse 1. All of the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It belongs to him. He established it in the oceans and the rivers. So God is in control of all things. He will not be confined and he is going with you and he is going before you just as he went before Israel, your ancestors, and parted the Red Sea and found victory over Egypt and led you out. Now he goes before you and he will not be stopped. And this sign, this raging torrent of a river will be parted by God's power. Remember this. He goes before you to protect you. He goes before you to guide you. And he is going to stop this river for us to cross over. And this will be a sign and a reminder to you. He goes before you to protect you and to guide you. And he will deliver this land. So we have seen the preparation. We have studied 
the preview. And now in verses 14 through 17, we are going to look at the passage over or through the river. So we're going to start in verse 14 now. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout this, this time, the spring, the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood it rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all of the nation finished passing over the Jordan. I think that is fantastically miraculous. And that is, of course, the way God works among his people. He keeps his promises. In verse 14 through 16, we really see this setup. And I, I feel like verses 14 and 15 kind of just build, build, build. And they really build the anticipation. You've waited Years. These people have waited their entire lives. If you're reading this narrative and you know where we are in history, from the time of Abraham's promise from God to now, hundreds of years have passed. Generations after generations have passed. And then we finally get to the point where they're going to cross in. And the author goes, So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, uh-huh, uh-huh. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, uh-huh, uh-huh. And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. Uh-huh. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city. I feel as if in music, this is called the peak of the crescendo. And this has been building and building and you can feel the energy. And finally, we get to this point and then it just crashes. And all this expectation, all of this waiting is being met in this moment. They, they step into this and, and the, the waters are cut off. And I want us to take a second and really think about this and why this is such a big deal. At this time of year, at this location in specific, the river would have been over 100 feet wide and 10 feet deep and rushing. You see, at this point, this is the, the barley harvest. So this is late spring in, in this area. And so the, the snow off Mount Hebron is coming down. It's hitting the Jordan. It's coming down. The Jordan is going crazy. We have rushing water. And I want you to imagine, and I'm sure you all have seen this at one point in your life, a flooding river. I grew up in Northern California and the Sacramento River, while nothing nearly as grandiose or magnificent as the Columbia River, but a river nonetheless, um, ran right through the middle of our town. And it seemed as though every single year that river flooded. And that was when the river was most dangerous. The banks no longer held the flow of the water. And if you go out to, the, to a flood and you look uh, on the Sacramento River, the middle of the river somehow was actually higher. So the river, instead of like doing this, was kind of like arcing and it was 
pressure and pushing the water up over the banks. Now imagine with me a flooding river, right? It's the river, while normally a nice, gentle, moving, peaceful, cleansing uh, idea in your mind, this Jordan is now rushing muddy waters. It's come up, it's come over vegetation. So these people who don't know where they're going, these Israelites who've never been here before, who've never been at this spot before, not only are they at a river that's over its banks, but they're at a river of rushing water that's muddy over vegetation. So it's muddy, so you can't see the vegetation, but it's a flooding river and it's not just this spot. The whole river has been flooding up to this point. So what that means, is as the water overflows its banks, it grabs all of the downed trees, it grabs all of the vegetation, it uproots things, it rolls rocks, it pushes with force. And so this flooding river isn't just a big moving mass of water, but it's muddy, you can't see it. It's up over vegetation. So you're not, you don't have good footing as you're trying to cross this river. All sorts of logs, trees, and other hazards are in the water and not just submerged, but potentially moving at high speed down the water. The Jordan is, for all intents and purposes, impassable. At this time of year, expert swimmers have tried to swim across the Jordan and they cannot get across. And it's just this magnificent picture of impossibility for humanity. This river is impassable. They've camped here, they've seen it, They've been told, dedicate yourself for God is going to do a wondrous thing among you. And now here they are, all this time, all this life, they've, they've waited. And now here they are at a point where seemingly anybody else at this point would say, I've come all this way in my life to drown. And yet in faith, they pursue what God has called them to do. They step out. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come out as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. The water stood. So that's seemingly impossible, impassable. And yet, God not only stops a flow. You see, this isn't uh, just a landslip where maybe a giant bank or a, a cliff or a bluff along the side of the river has collapsed into the water and averted the flow of the river. What we see here, what's explained and written is that the water stood in a heap. The waters rose up in a heap very far away. So he doesn't just stop the flow. And, and even if God did cause a landslip to, to stop this, that would be amazing enough remembering that he is the Lord of all the earth and he can move a bluff to stop a river if he wants to. But they don't have to slop across the river. You see, this says all the people in verse 16 passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the middle, the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. They passed on dry ground. And you see, it, it reminds me, God wasn't so much concerned with Israel's potential logic of moving masses of water. He wasn't so much concerned with the time of year. God wasn't so much concerned with the passability of the Jordan. 
God was concerned with the submission of his people to his leading. And we as believers need to remember that God is less concerned with our surroundings and more concerned with our submission. Well, Grace Point, as we conclude our time together today, I just want to thank you again for allowing me the privilege and honor to walk with you through this third chapter of Joshua. And I just want to pull out a few more principles, remind us really of these principles that we see here and how they apply to our lives so that we can live it out. The first one is to remind us that the God of the Exodus is the God of the conquest, is the God of today. And by God's grace in Jesus' perfect life, brutal death on our behalf, and victorious resurrection from the dead, we have the opportunity to become his people, to be grafted in and enjoy intimacy with him. So if you haven't done that yet, I would encourage you, after this video concludes, find somebody. If you're at the church, turn to the person next to you if you're in a, in a home and just ask them, hey, how do I do that? And if they can't help you, I'm sure they can connect you to someone who can. Another thing I wanted to point out is this idea of consecration. You see, that's dedication. So as the person who may be here today and hasn't done that, wants to dedicate their lives to Him, you also as a believer every day have the opportunity to wake up and dedicate yourself, to consecrate yourself in the day to God and His service. And so if you don't already do this, I would encourage you to do this. This is something I do. It's nothing fancy. There's no incense or smoke or, or any kind of di difficult prayer to pray to do it. You simply, you wake up and before you really start your day, you simply say to God, God, today belongs to you. I belong to you. Today belongs to you. Help me to see what you want me to see. Say what you want me to say and do what you want me to do. And it's as easy as that. That helps me set my mind on the things above. That helps me consecrate the day to him. That helps me become so heavenly minded that maybe, maybe I'm of earthly value. And I would just want to leave you guys with this last thought. Remember, the outcome is God's responsibility. The obedience is our responsibility. Just as Israel, by faith, trusted in God, followed him and God worked a miracle and they crossed the Jordan to begin the rest of their lives. So he calls you today to walk by faith, to trust him, to follow him, and he will work miracles and wonders in your life that you can never imagine, regardless of the circumstance. Thank you, worship team. Our benediction today is from Romans chapter 11. And Gary was always quick to point out that a benediction is not just words, it's a promise from God. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.